Welcome to Laquita's Toolbox, where we deliver relevant content in the form of tools that empower entrepreneurs to elevate personally and professionally. Good is only good until greater is envisioned. You know there's another level in you. Here we discuss the tools to get you there. Lean in as Laquita and her guests present you with strategies and insight for unlocking your full potential to realize your boldest dreams. Welcome back to another amazing episode of Laquita's Toolbox. I am your host, Laquita Monley, and I have a very special guest in the studio with me today. Her story is absolutely phenomenal. So you guys that are regulars on the toolbox know, get something to write with and something to write on because you don't want to miss any of the tools that Dr. Neely is going to release with us on today. If this is your first time tuning in to Laquita's Toolbox, welcome to the family. Hit that like, share, and subscribe button so you don't miss any of our episodes as they come out weekly. But before we jump in, let me take a moment to thank our sponsors at Covenant Press. Covenant Press is a faith-based Christian apparel and accessory shop where we as believers can shop until we drop for clothing and accessories that allow us to wear the message of the love of Jesus Christ. Go out to www.covenant-press.com. Again, that's www.covenant-press.com. Don't click off the pop-ups too quickly because there are some amazing discount codes there that are offered daily. You want to take that code, place it in its proper place at the checkout to receive your discounts and savings from covenantpress.com. Dr. Neely, thank you so much for joining me today. You see this, you know, those of you that are listening on the audio, you cannot see this Kool-Aid grin that is on my face, but rest assured there is a huge smile on my face (laughs) doing this recording. I've, I've learned so much about you, Dr. Neely, and truly it is a blessing to be able to have this conversation with you. And hopefully this would be just the first of many that we can have uh, because you have so much to give. Absolutely. You have to, well, you know, you have to share and, and being uh, an educator first, born to be an educator and to be an entrepreneur. Uh, I come from a lineage of fourth, I'm a fifth generation entrepreneur and it's huge. Uh, my grandmother, my great grandmother, great-grandmother were all entrepreneurs in a different sort of way than what we see now. And then my great-great-grandfather, my grandfather, my father were all also entrepreneurs. So the expectation is that we become entrepreneurs, become educated first. And, and people could be saying, oh, don't go back, don't go to college. It costs so much. Oh, I would never tell anybody not to go. You can find the money. If you've been studying hard in school, the money will come. You don't have to have a huge debt. There are some that do. I, I know there are many, many people have huge debts. I understand it. But I also know there's money. And if you look out for the money and don't run to the loans first, you can make it happen. Sometimes, you know, now it takes longer to go to school. I, I got it done at, you know, seven semesters. Uh, but I was fortunate. I had I did have scholarships. I did do work study. My father wrote checks. <laughs> we had small loans, but nothing compared, I know, to today. But, but things were available and you just have to be more resourceful and, and, and not just give in to let me sign off for $100,000 worth of loans, you know, or, or choose a school that really is going to fit you uh, and it's going to fit your budget. Sometimes we, we, 
you know, kind of do some things a little in too much of a hurry instead of being a little more patient, a little more resourceful. So I, I really love that you say that because um, I think that within our communities, we we've been out of balance for a while. You know, it was you have to go to university, you have to get your master's and depending on what you're doing, you know, you have to get your PhD, you have to do these things to be successful in life. And then they made the flips, you know, now we're in the uh, opposite side of the, oh, you know, you don't need to go to college, you don't need to do this, get a trade, start a business, do all of these things. Somewhere there is a happy medium. Right. Um, there is a balance to it because every child isn't ready for college immediately after high school, but neither are they ready to be an entrepreneur either. All right. And, you know, if you don't do well in school academically, mm -hmm. because it's just not your thing, but you have a work ethic, mm -hmm. you can be an entrepreneur. You know, my father always told me when I struggled with a class, even though I loved school. And he said, you know, he said, boo, boo, you know, see students from the world. And when he said that, I felt such a release because I love school. Degrees, don't they? Yeah, I just yeah. You know, it wasn't that I didn't love school. It was just some subjects just weren't were not my thing, and so I had to accept that. I was brilliant in math and science; that was natural, which everybody else struggled. But you know, only two or three percent of the world um, are chemistry people. Really, less than that, actually. Women who teach chemistry are 0.5 percent of the world. So you, I'm gonna have to, you have to run those statistics back again, real loud. Point, real point, loud. point about 0.5% of women in the world are the science people who are the teachers. About two to three percent of the, the seven billion on the earth are in the sciences. So, so we have some living, breathing, hidden figures. Right. Living and walking amongst us. That, that's a very small percentage of yes. women. And how in that percentage, if you know, how many of them are African-American? You know, you could say probably one, one in 10,000. I'm really, right. I'm really guessing, but I look at, I, I'll look at, I'll look at, I'll look at the state of Indiana and there are five to 7 million people in the state of Indiana. Now somewhere around that number, about 2 million people live here in Indianapolis. And I think there's between 500,000 to a million teachers, um, I believe, in the state of Indiana, whether they're part-time, full-time, professional school, whatever. Of that percentage, uh, I represent 0.05% of the African-American women that teach, that taught chemistry. Wow. 0.05%. Mm -hmm. That's... So yeah. you probably would have found more uh, in the South because mm -hmm. the HBCUs are in the South. Um, you And then you talk about legacy, you know, those individuals whose fathers and mothers, you know, throughout the other 49 states besides the state of Indiana, whose parents taught and taught the sciences and passed it on. So, you know, my father was, a, was an educator. He taught dental school. So I started learning about chemistry when I was eight. He bought me a chemistry set when I was eight. I mean, I struggled with reading and writing and my health, but I had a gift for math and science. I could do things in my head and I could build one dimensional, take one dimensional plastic models and turn them into three dimensional models. Actually, behind me is a, is a half of a ship that I built 30 years ago. Wow. You know, I didn't read instructions. I just, you know, I had a gift of, of uh, spatial, what we call spatial orientation. So I could take, I could see something in one dimension and build it into three three dimensions. And that's a gift. So, you know, we say all that to say that 
you know, him handing me that, that, that chemistry set at eight and teaching me about the various substances, organic and inorganic, was a huge advantage. And going to his laboratory, we had a laboratory, uh, he was a dental technician, I'm a Harry grad. And so we had a dental laboratory in our home. So I was able to be have access to I still have his tools now. He's obviously since passed away. Uh, you had a dental laboratory in your yeah. home. In our home, yeah, yeah. Wow. In, the, in the garage, we had it built in, so we had our, everything he needed. So when he wasn't at the dental school teaching, he would come home and he had a business. He had a, he was a dental technician outside of being a professor. So he could do, he can make dentures in three, three hours. He was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Just real, wow. real laid back. We're real, very brilliant. Very so I saw that all the time. I grew up with that. I was cultivated to, to, to do that. And, and for him, you know, he was, a, a, what we would have said in my generation, a modern guy, but he was an advanced thinker. He knew that he, he had adopted myself and my sister, but he knew we had to take care of ourselves. And he didn't want to push us towards marriage and make it a have to. He wanted us mm. to push us towards a career. Yes. Because he knew the home that, that, they, that he and my mother had bought would be ours and wanted us to, to be able to take care of it. One thing to have them is nothing to keep it. To keep it. That's a powerful truth right there. That's a very powerful truth. Listen, in there's so many great bits that we can pull out of the things that you just said, but let, let's take it back to where you were emphasizing that we still need to embrace higher education. When he gave you that, that chemistry set as a gift and it unlocked literally the gifts that were laying you know, inside of you for math and sciences, if we take that away from children now and give them just that one option, go and do a business or go and do a trade or, you know, go and do these things. I think that one of the biggest things that we learn in university, of course, outside of your major and your minor, what you're going there for is that experience also, if you haven't discovered what that gift is, that's a place for you to discover what it is. It is. It is. And you're around other individuals who are in your in your generation. You know, you you, you start college. Well, some people start college at 24, 25. In my generation, we started at 18. One of my classmates, she was 15. Wow. And, yeah, she was 15. And you have to understand that she came from a family where her grandfather was the wealthiest black man in America. Mm. Last name made on her life to be there. Last name, last name was Kennan. So you've heard about A.G. Gaston, the great Titan. Well, this gentleman was far wealthier than him. In fact, he sold mm -hmm. the land, he sold buildings to A.G. Gaston, so he could become and you know build his motel and hotels and and have much worries. And so back then, those gentlemen made money off of of life insurance mm -hmm. and mortuary service, and they owned it in various states, not just in one state. So she chose to come to Fisk. Now, I had an option to go to Harvard, and so did she. But we both came to Fisk. Now, let's talk about that for a minute. <laughs> we had some great conversations pre-show about the wealth of knowledge that is contained within our HBCUs. That's and nice. you had Harvard, and you had Fisk. Yep. Now, I chose, I chose Fisk. My father went to Meharry, so he finished Meharry in 1950. And her mother, my classmate I'm talking about, went to Fisk. And so with her grandfather's money, and then her grandfather's money paid for her to go to Fisk, and then her grandfather's money paid for her children to go uh, to undergrad, 
and then her grandfather's money paid for her building and her, you know, that and so on and so forth. So we, you know, she was exposed and I was exposed. So we knew we were probably, you know, I think after her seeing her mother, you know, her mother got her doctorate. And in fact, her mother's my classmate too. She's since passed away, but she got her master's from IU, so did I. So we're classmates there. We're also classmates with Fisk. But her mother got her doctorate in a year, in one year. It takes, wow. yeah, it takes almost seven years to get a doctorate. So I ended up getting my master's in a year. It takes three years to get a master's. So, you know, normally it takes four years. Now people take five years to get a bachelor's. I did mine, in, you know, seven out of eight semesters in chemistry and chemical wow. engineering. I was at Fisk and Vanderbilt at the same time. It's, see, wait a minute. <laughs> At Fisk and Vanderbilt at the same time. Yeah. So in the morning, I'd go to you know chemistry classes at Fisk, and then the afternoon, I'd drive over to Vanderbilt across the railroad tracks because the black colleges are in across the railroad tracks in the black neighborhood, which is now becoming gentrified. That's a whole other conversation. But and so I'd well, go to Vanderbilt. Yeah. Yeah. You know now now the folks think that you know our, our HBCUs are great places to walk their dogs. Mm -hmm. I don't agree. I think you should walk your dog in a dog park, not not at our HBCUs. At our HBCUs. I'm, I'm not going to garner a lot of friends on that one. I really don't care. But, you know, our HBCUs are... You have you know, one supporter at least, because I'm anyway. in 100% agreement with you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you can walk the dogs seven times at around the Jericho, around Fisk, around yes. you know, Street and everything. But 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 that land is sacred. Our, our You know, mm -hmm. our ancestors walked on that land and, and worked hard to get that land to, to, to provide an opportunity for us to go to school, to provide an opportunity to, to have their own profession and, and, and to become educators. Because back yes. then, women became educators. They didn't get married till later and, be, and married doctors. So you go back to my classmate. She went on to Morehouse's first med school. Okay. I go on to, I had a job when I left Fisk. I didn't, I, my grades weren't high enough at the time. To, to get to be a bench chemist, but then they weren't handing out bench chemist jobs to African-American women anyway, nor were they handing out engineering jobs, period. So I had to struggle to get an internship uh, in my area. And the way I did that while I was there at Fisk is I called this guy from what you call PICO now, Philadelphia Electric. I called him Everyday Collect back then for 30 days, ran up his phone bill, and he created, he created a job for me. And he found <laughs> So I wrote a book while I was there. So my first book was really when I was 19 and it was uh, SL2 particulate removal system for, for um, you know, coal generating stations. So I got to fly in a helicopter to a nuclear power plant, which was, it was unusual because no woman had ever in the history of that company had ever been allowed to go on a nuclear generating station. It was only men. Now so see. The barrier there. Now that see was, that. Was, go ahead. No, no, like those are some great gems and just, some encouragement for uh, the sisters that are here in the now, right? And still, you know, trying to move things forward in mm -hmm. in that field. And right. you know, there I recently met a young lady um, who moved from Maryland to Houston uh, to be closer to her business partner, and she is a chemist. She's she's a she's a chemist. She works in the lab. But their business, they've started their own lab where they are testing mm -hmm. CBD supplies and, you know, uh, people who are wanting to be legal hemp growers and have to go through all of those processes that their, I guess, their crops or their products have to come through various right. labs. And so that's what they're doing as a business. And so I know that when she hears this episode, she is going to be cheering. Yes. 
Yes. So, you know, just if from that experience that you had for that for that first job that you got in that uh, in that field, what are some of the things that you can say to the uh, women that are listening that are starting out in in science or in the STEM field to keep them encouraged, to keep them motivated? Well, you, you, you have to be, you have to be, I don't want to say the word aggressive, you know, assertive. You have to be intentional. I'll use the young folks terms now. You have to be intentional about what it is, you're, you're, where you're going, what you're trying to do. But you have to be prepared too. You know, you have to know how to meet people and you can't just speak English. You, you have to know how to speak other languages. And you, you can't be afraid to use salutations in other languages uh, because that takes, a long, that takes you a long way. Uh, I would also say that for the sisters that when we were on internships when I was in Philadelphia, there were other sisters there who were on interns, well, internships as well uh, at PICO from other schools, not necessarily HBCUs, but other schools. So they, too, had, you know, broke barriers and, and, and hit, you know, it was trying to, you know, break through the ceiling, that kind of thing. And then that next summer, um, I got an opportunity to go work at Dow Chemical. Well, they needed, you have to look at the reality of it. There were more folk there from schools and more African-American females were there that summer. And this was in Midland, Michigan, Dow Chemical, what we call Dow Elanco now. And we were all were chemists and I helped discover something. But you also understand as a scientist, you keep a notebook and you typically write in it in pencil uh, and they may not let you write in it in pen because they analyze that to decide who really discovered what first. And then that secret that you uncovered is now the property of the company. So those, yeah, you, the only way you can make money off of your discovery of, at a corporation where you're the laboratory expert is to buy stock. So I learned about the stock market when I was a kid, when I was 12 or 13, I was monitoring stocks. So I, it's new now. It's not new. I've been doing it forever and I've owned stock for a long time, but it's new for, to our people. So, right. so to be a scientist, um, you, you, you know, you're trying to do a, you know, initial public offering, you know, if, if so for your, your individuals who own their own company, but to the sisters in the, in the audience, you know, you, you have to be sure that you trademark what it is you created, that it's your own. If you go to work for a large corporation and you discover something for them, it's really not yours anymore. It's theirs. And the only way to get money again is to invest in the stock market. Um, if you have a process and you know that it's going to be big, you know it's going to do what it needs to do, I suggest you leave that company, save a lot of money, leave that company, and open up your own laboratory. That's the only way you will reap re re the benefits all around the picture. You control the IPO, the initial public offering. You control all of that. But until you do that, you know, it's owned by the company. So they're, 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 you know, banking off of your brilliance. And so the young folk now, because they are so much more stat, you know, when I was going to school, we didn't have computers. We hardly had calculators. So we did it's mental math, like tons of math that the young folk use on calculators. I did it in my head. Wow. And as an engineer, an African-American woman engineer, you know, slide rules and abacuses and all that stuff but in our head so we had to learn how to do all that so when i would teach chemistry at the high school level you know all the kids are sitting in the, in the classroom with these eighteen hundred dollar calculators and i'm asking them to do for example Avogadro's number 6.02 times 10 to the 23rd atoms ions and molecules and i'm asking them you know tell me how many molecules blah 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 molecule has and or ions or whatever whatever the label was and they're busy punching the number and i'm telling you they blah 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 they looked at me because they didn't, they weren't required to use their brain. Mm. 
so so when you talk about steam today you've got to be able to be creative you have to know math you have to know science you have to understand there's a problem how do i find a solution you work backwards from the problem to get to the solution you look at the tools you have as we say in our toolbox and then you move forward but you've got to know how to think you cannot depend upon a cookie cutter whatever to solve a problem that's not how any of these problems you know lewis lewis latter how he solved his problem and and nobeth Raleigh and and sarah boone you know all of them well, one thing is we were segregating. So we were stuck in a spot where we can only be. So our creativity was our best friend. Yes. Whatever was around, we created stuff. Well, now we have so Yeah, I almost want to ask you a question that might cause me to lose a few listeners, but I'm going to ask you. I'm going to go okay. ahead and ask you. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm pretty open about answering questions. <laughs> You've seen my past interviews. I've been, yeah, I've she said that well, this, this, this is just for my personal knowledge because I have an opinion on it. I just want to see if you share that same opinion sure. because you mentioned um, the fact that it was during the times of segregation. Right. Do you think that desegregation helped us in terms of creating better educational spaces and better job opportunities and entrepreneurial opportunities? Or do you think desegregation took away from that? You know, my father used to say, there's two things my father always said, and he said it over and over and over, even into his Alzheimer's life. But he said, you know, and, and, he, and he kind of became brokenhearted at some point because he, he believed in us and our people. And, mm -hmm. and I believe in us and our people. I love our people. Some of us don't love our people. Mm -hmm. Because we're so hung up on, texture of hair and skin color instead of the heart that we possess and the creativeness and the brilliance that our people brings. We've had it, we've had it before Christ. Mm -hmm. We were brought here unwillingly. Mm -hmm. You know, we were kings and queens in the other land. Mm -hmm. And so we created all amazing things there. Then we brought here and as time folk got to be free eventually, um, we were able to create things. And you're right, we weren't desegregated any longer. And we sometimes, I believe, as my father said, you know, I, I, he said sometimes he was like, I think we were better when we were segregated. And, and that's because we were forced to use our creativity and we were forced to create things on our own and work together. And we mm -hmm. struggle as a people uh, to work together sometimes. We, we, we either let egos get in the way or, or, or the text, like I said, the hair and the color and the skin or all that get in the way instead of the heart and building a community that everybody benefits from financially. Mm -hmm. So yeah, to a degree, but, but we have to go back to, we have to go back to friends and family and trusting one another. And that's a challenge. Yes. We struggle with that uh, for all kinds of reasons, you know? Um, so there's that part. He also, he also used to say to me all the time, especially when, when I was teaching and, and uh, it was interesting, the school that I taught at the high school, I taught, I was the first African-American to be chosen or to be hired to teach math or science at that high school in the hundred year history of the high school. Wow. So the high school had opened in what, 1892, named after a black man. And I got hired in 1992 and I stayed for 14 years and every year for, and I tell the story all the time, but it, it never gets old when I hear these words come out of my mouth. I said, but every year for the first five years I was there, they tried to fire me every day. Wow. You know, when God sends you to do an assignment, he sends yeah. the prepared, not the popular. Yes. Yes. So my father would always tell me, you know, Jim Crow's not dead hmm. and it just looks different now. Yeah. 
And so yeah. we sometimes mistake folk smiling in our face and being nice to us for folk like us. No, no, they're not the same. That's not right. It is yeah, not, that's the, not same. the same. When people create economic development in your home mm -hmm. and your children's home and your children's mm -hmm. children's home, that's somebody who likes you. Yes. Yes. So when you have a great idea, don't sell it off. Work with folks you trust, trust and build it into something major and provide jobs in that community. I was talking to Tamika Catches the other day and uh, we were long time. I used to work on her when I first met her. When I first met her, she was still at uh, under uh, University of Tennessee. She was still a student getting ready to graduate. She blew out her knee. She finished college in seven semesters. She started working on her master's. So she broke, she made history in the in Division One program. She was in the basketball program. And Pat Summer, you know, recruited her. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, so she came, we gave she gave me an autograph when I was as I was teaching and she was making an appearance. And then she and so now, you know, we're almost 20 some years later. And so now I'm sitting in her tea shop that she bought from an African-American brother who mm -hmm. moved south to Savannah, Georgia. He was going to sell it. I don't know who's going to sell it to, but she bought it. She loves tea. Now she owns the building. So now she's created jobs in the community. Yes. The foundation she started shortly after she came to the city of Indianapolis. She's really from Texas and somewhere else as well. Her mother came, her sister came and they and she has the foundation and foundation's going on 20 years fairly soon. But I did 10 years out of out of the 20 years volunteering. And and so she has three honorary doctors. I just have the one. And I explained to her. She, she said she didn't really see she didn't see what I see in having an honorary doctor. I said, well, look at what you've done. You, every year, out of the four major programs you do every year, you do the basketball camp and you're always present. And then the four Olympic teams you were on, you came back even from, you know, from where did she come, where was she been, Rio de Janeiro, London, you would come back just to do that camp. If you had to be there during the Olympic time or preparing or whatever on the Olympic team, you would come back and do your basketball camp. You would never miss that basketball camp. Ever. I said, but but think about all the young people who you encourage to go to college who never saw themselves going. And then think about they go to college, they finish college, they pay off the debt, and they start their own business. Think about all those people you influenced. And then you got an honorary doctor from three different schools because of what you did, not on the basketball court and mm. Balls and the team, you know, and the, and the and the team, the 16 years that you got to stay with Indiana Fever, it is what you did off of oh, the basketball. Cool you did yeah. in the community where you encourage people entrepreneurs you encourage people you know to finish school you encourage people to go to school so you know it's 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 all about what you do what we do as a people and putting economic development back in our community mm. so i go back to say at the high school where i was teaching that was something i i i emphasized i told the young folk i, I need you to finish high school not everybody can go to college, but but the skill set you're learning here in my classroom is how to be organized. Mm -hmm. I start a business when you're about 30 with some folks you trust, whoever they are. I would encourage you to go to school, whether you go to college or professional school or whatever, but you got to find your passion and what's going to sustain you and buy that house and that car and pay them off and then create jobs in your own community with your gift. You know, and they looked at me and you know, now 30 some years later, you know, I've got 10 to 15 students who have their doctorates, but they also have their own companies. They also have their own schools. And now they're 45. And when I met them, they were 15. Now, that's a legacy, Dr. Neal. Legacy, right. That's and a legacy. Yeah, their children call me Dr. Neal. Well, it was Ms. Neal, it was Dr. Neal. You know, they, they raised their kids to call me that. 
and and just it could never call me about my first name, even though I told them they could when I got to be a certain age. But but now they're successful. But these are African American kids. We're not young folk. We're not. And there were European, my European students as well. Mm-hmm. But our kids are the ones that get ignored. Mm-hmm. We we and and I used to tell them European folk probably will go. They'll put a white shirt on on that on the on the, the, the Caucasian brother, mm-hmm. white male, put mm-hmm. on a shirt and a tie, and he'll take over his father's company. You yes. will work for them. Yes. Instead of you putting on the white shirt and owning the company. And that's what we have to change. And that's where I I definitely agree with your father. Um, Just I'm from small town Mississippi. And even growing up in the 80s and 90s, there's some places that time forgot. In certain cities in the state of Mississippi, Mm -hmm. some of those places. Yes. So it was still extremely divided um, in my hometown. It's yeah. 2022, it's 1922. Yeah. It, I mean, we when I graduated high school, we still had segregated prom. Those school-sponsored prom was where all of the Black people went to. There was always a second unofficial prom that all of the Caucasian students went to. Wow. And nearly the two should combine. Wow. No, and I graduated in 1996, Dr. Neal. Oh, my God. So I'm not just, I'm not, you know... It's just a little oh. while ago, relatively speaking. Right, it wasn't but a minute ago. Yeah. It wasn't but a minute ago. So, but being blessed with being the, the blessing coming out of coming from my small town, being educated by HBCU grads, you know, I did get to see teachers that look like me, female and male, who would pour into us and the necessities of community. Absolutely. And so going down the street, um, on my side of town, there was still a Black-run credit union. My uh, my my uncle and my auntie owned the laundromat that was there. You know, you still had Black uh, supermarkets, convenience stores. Yes. You know, the lawyers' offices, like the things that we needed to survive. Absolutely. Were still there, you know, Absolutely. I could. My grandmother would send me leave a list. Before she went to work and said, you know, go to the mini mart, get these things from him and fix this by the time I come home. And I didn't have to have the money. I just needed the note, handed him the note, picked yep. up the stuff. And she took care of the bill whenever she took care of the bill. Because I'm from real small town America. Yeah, right. No. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And my parents were born uh, in Terre Haute, Indiana. So, you know. So that that shows me but over the years the the older i got and you know eventually i did move away my husband joined the army my boyfriend then husband now joined the army and we traveled uh but every time i came back you could see more of that being stripped away stripped away stripped away stripped away because where our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents whatever level of education that they chose to do or whatever businesses they chose to start, even if they did not go to university, right. it came back into the community. Right. The money came back. And that's it came back. Right. And that's yes. that's that's the part I think when you opened up and you said about being segregated and 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 my father saying, you know, we were better when we were segregated. Well, that what he was saying was that we had that heart, that drive. We protected our businesses, we protected our homes, we kept our her story history, passing it down generation after generation. We kept the money turning in our community. You know, the Jewish community turns seven times, other communities turns 20, 30 times, and our community probably one or two. Yep. So I work hard to try to turn the dollar in our community as often as I can. 
Yeah. I mean, if the other community doesn't get my money, because they do, I'm mm -hmm. just saying we need to, in order, I'm an African-American business, I'm a plant artist, I'm an African-American plant artist, and people say, well, what is that? And then I explain, but I am but I have a huge advantage because I have a background in it. I taught botany, and I ran a greenhouse at a high school, so now when it's time to go to a client's you know, home with the black or white, pink, green, perks, perks, straight, whatever, um, I have the background, more so probably than my counterparts. And yes. that's typically feeds into that way. You know, you got to be three times better. Well, some, most time we are. Yeah. We're excessively educated and trained because we know what it means. What and it means. we know we have to be, whether we want to be, you know, because mediocrity sometimes you see is winning. I'm like, I don't understand why. Mm -hmm. So I'm home reading the book while you are running the streets. Well, who are you going to talk to? Who's more interesting? Well, obviously I'm here today. You're talking to me. I must be interesting. Yes, extremely, <laughs> extremely interesting. I mean, as African-American women, we are right now, and I want to say for the last, what, three to four years, we've been the most, we are the most educated population yes. in the United States. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yes. And, and and people must embrace that. And, you know, yes. you hear people going, you will come by first. No, mm -mm, you don't get to do this, Dr. Neely. Yeah. Put some respect on that. I say, well, you don't get to call me by my first name anymore. You know, am I, am I, you know, my students growing up, they would never do that anyway. But, but, you know, you have to teach folk and you hear it all the time to teach folk how to teach you. Well, here's what yes. we're going to do. Now, if you can't get that right, then we won't be doing business. That part. And I've, and I've, you know, I've, and I've told, you told my friends, I've given money back to some of my clients who've acted the full, excuse the expression. Yeah. I mean, I don't all money is a good money. I don't want your money at the sake of it costing me any of my integrity. Exactly. Exactly. And I and that's another component to being an entrepreneur. We have to understand that that God sends you uh, a gift and 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 you have some talents and you have to make it work, but you can't compromise the gift He gave you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. He sends the prepared, not the popular. Yes. Come on. I love that. I love that. <laughs> He says they're prepared and not, not popular. Not popular. Exactly. Yes. And so, you know, you have prepared. to be careful. Yeah, and everybody can't come to your home. Mm -hmm. Everybody think they can't. No, everybody can't come to one person asked me, well, how come I hadn't had a party in my home lately? Well, I had. My circle's got smaller. It's just, you just must not be included in it. Yeah, you were in that circle. You didn't get the invite. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you, you know, you have to know, you have, you, have to, you have to know how to respond, not react. You have to know how to respond at the proper time. So... Yeah. See, I like that. See, you've been dropping nuggets this <laughs> entire show. Absolutely. Listen, I hope you guys have been taking those. Don't worry, it's a podcast. It's a podcast. Rewind that thing. Rewind. You know. Listen again. Listen again. Yes, it's like a good church sermon. It's like a good word. I always yep. get the DVD at church or the CD or, <laughs> the, you know, these days the download or the YouTube video, you know, because you're excited in the moment and you might get one or two notes. But then when I get home, I listen to it, pause it, write that down, push play, <laughs> pause it, write that down. That's this episode. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And since you heard me live uh, in June, that was a whole nother story all by itself. Oh, man. <laughs> you know. I was trying to prepare for this interview, right? And I was looking, I was like, okay, I met Dr. Neely in June of this year and she was this amazing ball of energy, just absolutely shifted the atmosphere everywhere she went. And I'm thinking to myself, 
some way, Jesus, I want to have her on my podcast. I don't know how that's going to happen, but some way it's going to happen. And because God is faithful, he orchestrated it. So this week, as I was preparing for her interview, I forgot to request her bio. So I was like, you know what? That's okay because everybody's Googleable or most people are Googleable. Let me go out to LinkedIn and Facebook and whatnot. And so I can do the social media dig and dive. And I went to listening to some of the interviews she's done. And I'm on the edge of my seat like, Father, <laughs> where did she sleep? <laughs> I know. I'm making appointments with me to sleep. I think I'll sleep, you know. <laughs> just, I'm like, wow. I mean, you know, you've done all of these things in academia. And then when you were literally my age, right? Like when you got in your 30s and your 40s. Oh, I'm a professional athlete. What? I was amazed, people. That's all I'm going to say. Documentary <laughs> is Googleable. We won't get to everything in this episode. And pray no. God, maybe she'll come back in 2023 and 2024. Yeah. And we yeah. can get to her professional, the accolades that she's gotten in Olympic sports, people. Olympic sports. I'm not just saying she was playing for the local semi-pro league. That's not what I'm saying at all, y'all. <laughs> Let's be clear. That is not what I'm saying. I'm saying she's been on some U.S. Olympic teams and officiate, been an official for them. And it's so much. So y'all, y'all make sure you tap in to everything that Dr. Neely is doing. Absolutely everything, because what she is doing, the energy she's releasing and the way that she's able to do it. The scripture says that we are supposed to mark the perfect man. And what, that doesn't mean that we're perfect and that there that surely doesn't mean that there is a perfect person. But there's some people that you meet in your life that God brings across your path that are accomplishing and doing great things. And instead of looking at them with envy and awe, you want to get to know them. The old folks at my church says, sit at their feet for a little while, women of God. You want to sit at her feet for a little while and just observe this greatness in action. So some of that can soak into you and that you can take these tools that she's releasing tonight and that she's going to continue to release, I believe, as God gives breath, and apply them to your everyday life to help you meet some of your goals. So those that are listening, I hope and pray that you do rewind this episode, mm -hmm. follow her, uh, look at what she's doing, some books that she's releasing and events that she's a part of, and make sure that you connect with her. Absolutely. Because, I mean, we are... The movie Hidden Figures. I'm having a conversation tonight. Yeah, you really with are. A hidden figure. Yes. Really <laughs> yeah. I, and I, my challenge to the, to your audience and our audience is that I expect you, um, as my father expected me, and as I expected my students, I expect you to do more than I've done, and I expect you to make more money than I have. That's a great expectation. That's the that's the leadership in action. One of the definitions that I love of, of, of leadership is one, and I'll paraphrase it given by Dr. Miles Monroe, and he simply says that it's a position of influence, mm -hmm. influencing others to become a better version of themselves, to, to be able to take your place, yes. to do what you do and to do it better. That's what great leadership does. 
they are people builders, people influencers, and they pull out greatness. And that's definitely, Dr. Neely has a legacy of that uh, during her time in academia. And she's continuing that legacy now with encouraging and supporting as a speaker and a coach and business owner, like, wow. So I'm scared to ask, but I'm going to ask, what's next with you for you? <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, it took me 40 years to, to earn the honorary doctorate. And, uh, and I literally did put a 40 year plan together when I was 22, when I left Fisk university. And I said in 40 years, there's such things I wanted to happen. Pretty much all of them have happened. Uh, and my, my last, my last item was this getting the honorary doctorate, whether I, and I started out and I talked about it in my closing remarks. I started out working yes. on my doctorate, ran out of money. And so this came as a result of all of the service to womankind and mankind. And so the next 40 years I can do, um, just be an author. I want to write, um, we have a children's book. Dr. Sabrina T. Allison uh, is the author of the book and the book, I'm the subject of the book and we're called Three Doctors. Uh, and so she made the three of us, uh, Dr. Tyreka uh, Hendricks, and she's traveling now in, in, in Cairo and Luxor. Uh, in, on the oh, north of, of, of Africa, which is Egypt, which is Cambo, yeah. which is really Come on now, teach. Yeah. So, teach, go teach. Yeah, <laughs> and so there, the three of us, the characters in the book, and it, and it really talks, you, you'll have to get it, but I think it's interesting. Anyway, she wrote, she wrote the book, pulling it together. So being a writer, um, uh, obviously I will do my memoirs, which I already wrote, I wrote a while ago, but finally getting serious about getting it on paper, getting it published, getting it out to the people. And then there's one other item that we'll do, uh, which is an anthology and getting each of my 10 to 15, whoever in that 10 to 15 will agree to do it, writing their story of how they came from being middle school, high school to getting their doctorate, their actual, well, they wrote a dissertation. So getting their stories and, and where, where that intertwines with my, you know, my, my part in that picture, because my part would have come in when they were high school students telling them they could do it and that that's the expectation. So I think that that will be a good read, uh, The Courage to Teach. Sure. And that came, that title came from one of my students, Dr. Uh, Anthony J. Johnson. He's up in Chicago originally. Well, he was born in Chicago, lived in Indianapolis, and moved back to Chicago. So, but he came up with that title. So. Just writing, being a writer and, and speaker, you know, uh, interviews like this, uh, speaking on stages, I'm sure collegiate stages and uh, wherever else, uh, you know, God sends me. Because Angela means messenger from God. And you do have a message. You do have a message. Wow. Wow. You know, when when we're having conversation, when I'm having a conversation with amazing guests, the time always flies by entirely too fast. <laughs> <laughs> We're at our time frame. I'm sure we're at that. We're at that, we're at that time. Yep. We we are, unfortunately we are, but no, I I am encouraged that uh, we will get to do this uh, again uh, in 2023 at some absolutely. point. Absolutely, yes. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I would I would really encourage you know us to either do it in during our History Month, 28 days, it's a little too short, or during Women's Women's History Month, 31 you know 31 days of March. So that would be a great <laughs> that'd be a great time and and. I'll pick it back up and I 100% agree with that. We, we will make that happen. We definitely Maybe I'll, I'll be able to talk about the, the, the astronauts then and Dr. Macy Jemison and that whole experience. See, that's what I'm talking about. So that famous picture that you all see with all those, those African-American women astronauts, I was there across from next to the photographer and watching them take the photo. 
So yes, you're definitely going to have to come back yeah. and talk yeah. about that experience. I mean, yeah. again, a hidden figure right here, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. You want to make sure you connect with Dr. Neely. Uh, before we wrap up, Dr. Neely, is there one last thing that you would like to leave with the audience and leave them your contact details? Uh, you can... You, I'm Google. I would tell you for I would tell you number one, Google me. I respond to um, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter. Um, I do have all the other accounts, TikTok and all that, but I don't I don't spend a lot of time on TikTok. But I think I'm gonna have to spend more time on TikTok. <laughs> uh, those are way those are ways to reach out to me. If you're serious about business, I would tell you to reach out to me. Uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, all the other social medias are cute, but, but LinkedIn is the business side. And that's the one if you're you know, serious about um, hiring me to speak or whatever, uh, that would, I would strongly, and I would probably not refer to me by my first name. That would not be good. I would suggest you start out with that. If you want me to respond, that would be my, that would be my strong recommendation. <laughs> so I would, I would, I would encourage that means Absolutely. Awesome. Yep. awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, thank you again, Dr. Neely, for being with us. Listen, Laquitas Toolbox community, those of you that have joined us for the first time, thank you so much. Hit that like, share, and subscribe button for our returning listeners. I appreciate your love and support weekly of my podcast. Listen, I want to hear from you. Get in the comment section of your favorite podcast listing platform. Leave me a five-star rating and a review. I want to know the things that you like because my goal is to leave you and with tips and tools that you can use for your personal growth and development as well as your entrepreneurial growth and development. And if you're saying, Laquita, I've tuned in a few times, I don't really like it. You're not hitting the goal. I especially want to hear from you. Let me know what it is that you think that I can do and improve and what type of topics that I can bring to the toolbox that will fit your needs to help you grow personally and professionally. Until next time, you guys be blessed and have a great evening.